Okay, we are live, not muted. We're good. Okay, we are going to continue the discourse we started last week, and that is on the Kutei Torah, Shir Hashirim, page 48. It's a mimer the Alter Rebbe said in the summer, Pasha's Korach, must have been, as we discussed last week, a Shabbos, um, when Shabbos was Rosh Chodesh. This is the Haftorah that is said on Shabbos when Shabbos falls out on Rosh Chodesh. Which begins with the words Hashemayim Kisi Ragli, the heavens are my throne, God says, and the earth is my footstool. And so first that's in the earlier part of the of the Haftorah. And the latter part of the Haftorah, it mentions um the as the new heavens and the new earth that I, I will be creating, that I am making, that is standing before me, God says. So in order to understand the new heaven and the earth, we have to understand the old heaven and the old earth, the current heaven and the earth, and then we'll understand the new heaven and the new earth that is going to be created. So to do a quick summary, we're holding on Daf Mem Tes. This is again in Shir Hashim, the last discourse in Lakuti Torah. And uh, yeah, so it's very special to learn it. Probably going to take us another week. Uh, we conclude this discourse. It's really, really special. Any case, so we were learning about what it says last week in the parsha that God put Adam, Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden, and He gave them the task of to, to serve, to work the garden, and to protect the garden. Which we learned a few interpretations last week, either through sacrifices or through the the the, the performance of positive mitzvahs and the performance of the prohibitive mitzvahs. Uh, but all these interpretations, there was one general theme. And that is to improve the garden. What's the improvement of the garden? The improvement of the garden is to bring God himself into the garden. That's the improvement into the, of the garden. Initially, the garden only enjoyed a ray of God, not God himself. But through our toil and our efforts, we bring what's called basi legani, that Hashem says, I myself come to my garden. Which really on a higher level means, as we learned last week, Hashem is coming to the Shekhinah. Shekhinah is the source of the garden. Malchut is the Shekhinah. She's the source of the creation. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is the transcendent masculine side of God, is coming down and to be with her. And through her, he invests himself and comes to the garden and increases the garden with enormous, enormous, unfathomable, greater pleasure and delight because God himself is in the garden, not only a ray of it. As we discussed last week, creation itself, even the souls, are only capable of, 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 of withstanding a ray, a limited ray. They're not capable of God himself. But as a result of our mitzvahs, we do be we we do bring God Himself into the garden. And if you remember last week, we learned, and we need special protective gear to be able to handle that. And that is what the mitzvahs do for us. The mitzvahs garb us, our souls, with the right um, equipment, with the right um, 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 uh, spiritual garments, which enable which enable us to to. Um, to withstand the enormity of that light, of that delight and that pleasure without disintegrating in it. Um, now, we learned, however, in order to generate that, that great, this, uh, this, now, by the way, this fits right into the class I gave right before when we spoke about Noah, how we spoke how creation itself has a certain measure of God's attachment to it and only through the work of man, which is represented by Noah, we find that he connects to Hashem higher than the name Elohim. The Noach Matzah 
Matzachain and, and Noach finds favor in a Havaya in the name of Yudkei Vavki. Literally the same subject we were learning in the earlier class, which was a complete different um, um, safer we were learning and so forth, is reflected in the discourse we're learning now. Our job is to get God himself in, engaged and involved. Now, the, the manner in which we can bring Hashem down into a relationship with the world, bringing him into Gan Eden, we learned is not when our souls are in heaven. When our souls are in heaven, then our souls remain limited to the ray, uh, to the divine bliss and light that's there, but not God, God himself. It's only when souls are in bodies. And then we have the power to do to achieve it. What's the quality of souls and bodies? The qualities of souls and bodies is that the souls, because they're obscured and they're concealed and they're blocked and they go through a lot of, a lot of darkness, that creates within the soul an angst. It creates within a soul a burning, yearning desire. And the soul then, um, um, its desire for godliness becomes extremely, extremely intense. And it's within that yearning that the soul yearns is where it triggers God himself to descend into the world. That's what we're learning. And we gave the, the two examples that he gave is water coming through the earth, that the water becomes much cleaner, sharper, more, you know, uh, uh, it's called living waters. The waters become so crisp when they go through the earth. So to the soul, when it goes through the earthiness of this world and it pushes its way through, through life and all the obstacles and all the hardships and all the concealments, it comes out so much more potent. And we can, and this is the idea of becoming a balchula over the souls in, in Ganeid and they're called tzaddikim. Coming down over here, the soul becomes a balchuva or penitent its yearning is boundless. The other example he gave was by putting a dam. When water flows and you put a dam, the dam itself increases the flow of the water. The power of the, of the, of the stream or the river gets multiplied uh, tenfold or a hundred times as powerful or maybe more than that precisely through the obstacles. And that's what life is supposed to do. Life is supposed to create these various obstacles in our way which bring forth the tshuva of our soul. This is delicious this week to learn this because this fits right into the discourse that everybody learns this week, and that's Mayim Rabim. The, the Alter Rebbe is Mayim or of Mayim Rabim talking about the floodwaters, where he explains exactly this point that when, when, when people think that because they're business people and they're involved in the world, they can't pray. Because, you know, prayer are for meant for people, spiritual people who, who hang out in the house of study all day long, but regular people can't pray with, de with depth. The Alter Rebbe says, no, business people because they're being their soul is being battered all day long by distraction. When they pray, they're breaking through the barriers. And that's the idea of the floodwaters that are meant to raise the teva, the ark, above the water. So we can connect it to this week, even though we're not learning the Maimar on Noah. The theme over there is just like the floodwaters. What happened? The floodwaters represent the flooding of distractions that happen in our lives, the barraging of continuous thoughts that hit us from all angles, that try to pull us away from our connection to God. What happens to Noah, which is the Jew? You hop into an ark. The ark are the words of the Torah and the words of prayer, which protect you from the outside world. And the very, very, very obstacles, they generate a deeper cry in the soul and they lift, just like the waters, lifted the teva up much higher than the ark would have been on its own had there been no storm. So the storm itself elevated the ark with Noah inside of it. So too, all of the darknesses of life lift us up and bring us to the quality of tshuva. Literally the same idea that we're learning over here.
so beautiful. And that's why we learned the last point was why the men of the great assembly instituted prayer before we study Torah. Right away in the morning we have to pray because otherwise our connection to God is, is we're satisfied with the ray. We're satisfied with the godly, the godly. We're not seeking God himself. In prayer, prayer is meant to be a, a, a uncovering of the essence of the soul. Prayer is meant to be a time when um, we, we, he called it in the, the minor we learned last week, it's called truly Allah, the higher truth. And that's what it means. It's a ladder that stands on the ground, but it's, 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 it's the top of the ladder is in the heavens. The heavens represent the deepest yearning of the soul where the soul literally wants to melt into God's truth, not remain outside and enjoy the ray. The soul just wants complete dissolvement into God himself. That's called the heavens, as we will still explain today and the like. And Daviding, he said, that's the difference of, um, the difference between Torah study and prayer. And in Davening itself, the two levels are when it says, love God, your God, with all your soul versus love God, your God, with all your might. Loving God with all your souls, plugging our faculties into the divine faculties. That's how you're plugging the loving God with all your soul, which means all the features of your soul, align them, plug them in, and connect them to God. However, just when we say the features of our soul, how do we plug them into God? We plug them into God's features. What are God's features? The 10 attributes. The 10 attributes are manifested in the Torah. So when a, when a person studies Torah, they're achieving a bond with Hashem. And when they're also doing mitzvot, they're connecting their emotions to God, their intelligence to God. They're all plugged in. But you're only connecting to the divine manifestations. But then there is something much deeper. God, as he transcends all the spherot, all the attributes, the orange self himself, how do you connect that to that level? For that, it's not enough to love God with all your faculties. You got to unplug the pure incomprehensible yearning of the soul, what we might call the madness of the soul, the, the like the dam breaks loose, the soul is on steroids, seeking to a complete connection to God without any, nothing can satisfy the soul, no divine um, 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 trinkets. God can't give the soul, throw the, tr- throw, throw the, the, the soul, a trinket to, set, to quiet it down. It's like an, also in the verse, in the Pasuk, in the Maimar, Mayim Rabin, the Alpha Rebbe explains over there. It says, um, 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 all the, all the, all the, all the, all the uh, if, if a person will give all the treasures of his house to silence the love, it will be shame. It will be rejected. Say, keep it. We don't want it. It means God can't sit, kind of seduce us or distract us by giving us godly things. We want Mashiach. We want God himself. We want the infinite. We want him himself. Nothing else is going to work. That kind of a desire can only be created down here when the soul is in the body. This is a summary of what we learned last week. And this is what is going to lead to bringing God down himself into the world, which is the content of Hashamayim Kisi. The heavens become God's throne which means he himself comes down into the heaven. And then in order to bring him down to earth, something else is required. That's further. But at least we're bringing him into the Ganeden. And we got into the world of souls. Got to bring him all the way down here. That's what he's going to explain later. But again, what is what accomplishes it? 
What accomplishes it is our, our um, deepest point of prayer, the Bechoma Odecha of prayer, the rapture of the soul, when, when it goes beyond its intellectual grasp as a means of attachment, it, it, it senses that there is an infinite mystery behind it, beyond that, and it craves for that with an inexplicable desire. Okay. So we are holding now on Daf Memtes, um, Amit Beis, which means the second column. Um, it's almost smack in the middle of the column, a tiny bit towards closer to the top than to the bottom. You can see a parenthesis after the first word. It's the only, it's the only um, word in the in the column that has a parenthesis, the end of a parenthesis after the first word. Chavav, and then there's a parenthesis. We're holding by the word ach. Okay. How can a person achieve this level? Right? You, you have Memtes? Page one. Shir Shirin, right? Are you on Shir Shirin? You're on page Memtes? I think you have a look at Torah or you didn't take a look at the Torah. That's what it is. I think you grabbed the wrong, right? It is. You should have it. Yeah, you didn't go to Memtes. There you go. This is Memtes, his second column. Oh, right. So the question, however, is how do you trigger this? It's like this is something that either it happens or it doesn't happen. How can a person consciously bring themselves to this rapture? You would think, you know, to love God, if you're guided by your intelligence, okay, I understand. You can think and study and learn and meditate, and that meditation will bring you. But that will bring you to an excitement. But that excitement is commensurate to the meditation, to what you're grasping. Here we're talking about, that there's something deep, deep, deep within your superconscious that suddenly is like that—that that is unplugged and comes gushing forth. What's the method of unplugging it? How do you pull out the stopper, so to speak, that uh, that's that 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 is blocked, that is in the, that is holding back this dam? And how do you release the waters of the soul or the fire of the the uncontrollable fire of the soul? So the Rebbe explains, how did the person arrive to this level? To awaken the supernal will. This is called the upper will, of the soul, as it's explained in various different discourses. There's two levels of will. The lower will is will created by the mind. The higher will is a more essential will, a will of the essence. It's not the intelligence. It's the very self that is yearning, not, not the mind. A mind is a, the mind is a feature of our of our of our soul, not the soul itself, a power of the soul. So, how do you awaken this? That which is not included or counted within the ten powers of the soul, and up there in the ten attributes, which means it's not one of our 
one of our um, um, available, it's not one of our available faculties. You're working with a deeper place with your superconscious. So how do you, how do you breathe? It, you know, it could happen. Something, something very shocking in a person's life happens and it shakes you and awakens it. But that's, that's circumstantial. That has to happen. You can't, so how do, how does a person evoke this daily? That's the question. It's not within, it's not within the control tower of the soul. It's not within the 10 um, um, attributes of the soul, which is, but it's higher than that. This is this might, this power, this essential desire of the soul. We say that even the souls in, in, in paradise, in Ganeidin, before they come down, don't have access to this. It's their essence, but they don't reach it because they're so, they're so enjoying the intellectual revelations that are taking place. They're so, they're so engaged with their mind and perceiving godliness. They never tap this madness. For this, they need to come down in bodies. But how does it happen? That's the question. So the Rebbe gives us a method. He says, instead of trying to go to the love directly, push on a different button. Push on the compassion. Awaken within yourself compassion. And compassion will lead you to this higher love. In other words, through meditating on how pitiful and how far you are from God, how stuck you are, how stuck we are in our, uh, in our bodies, in our sometimes, you know, clumsy bodies, in our um, earth-attached bodies, in our impossible bodies that, that are so, so much engraved or so entrenched in the materialistic world. And it doesn't allow us, you know, to really pursue a meaningful relationship with God. The more one thinks about how pathetic it is, how deeply disconnected we are, the more that, and, and to a point where you start really feeling bad for your soul and you evoke pity, that pity, when you feel it very deeply, um, opens up the heart. It's the key to the heart. And once the heart is open, the gushing love will come forth. He doesn't say it over here explicitly. I don't know why. But in many discourses, it uses a verse to prove this idea. And Tanya as well, he says it. It's a verse that says, Hashem, so says God, Yaakov to Jacob, Avram, who redeems Abraham. The simple meaning of the verse is, not, is, is, is God speaks to Jacob, to the Jewish people, which God, the God who redeemed Abraham. But here is the Hasidic spin on the, on the verse. If you want to redeem the Abraham inside of you, Abraham is love. You want to unearth your love, and for some reason you can't access it. Or even if you access it, but you get a very, a very weak signal, you're getting a very weak love. You're getting excited about God, but you're getting excited about God's actions, not about God himself. And therefore, you're finding yourself being very limited in your relationship. You want to go deeper than that, pull out your Jacob. Access, a, access Abraham through Jacob. Access Avraham through Yaakov. Avraham is love. Unplug your Avraham through stoking your Yaakov. That's what it means. Le Yaakov to Jacob, Ashepada, that he redeems. This week, this year is Peidalet. It's the year of redemption. Le Yaakov to Yaakov, Ashepada, who redeems as Avraham, Avraham. This is through the evoking of mercy. Shehumi shall Yaakov. Uh, it's a form of self-pity, but not a not a negative self-pity, a very high level of self-pity, a very positive one, where you're pitying your soul, how lost it is in our material lives, 
It is the midah, it is the attribute of Yaakov. Now Yaakov's, you know, God promises an inheritance to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. To Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. However, it says that the, the, the inheritance to Abraham and to Jacob and to Isaac are considered a limited inheritance. But to Jacob, Yaakov, Hashem says to Yaakov, to you, I'm giving you without borders. As Hashem says to Yaakov Avinu, that your children, ufaratsta, you're going to break the boundaries. Yama to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And that's only said to Yaakov. So what do you see from here? That Yaakov has an infinite potency more than Avraham and Yitzchak. Uh, and, and, and since, oh, wait, since we know that Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, in terms of emotion, Abraham is love, Isaac is fear, and, and Yaakov is compassion, is Teferis beauty, which is compassion. So that means that compassion has no limit. And therefore, compassion can lift your soul, your soul up to the infinite heights, to the highest peaks of your soul. The 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 the, the 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 most inaccessible peaks we all have incredible peaks of our soul the highest deepest peaks of our soul we can climb up there through the energy of Yaakov. when we cry for our soul because we pity our soul we're suddenly lifted up into the highest peak of our soul and over there we can feel the deepest love passion like a mountain peak protruding it's that super rational love that's sitting at the peak of our soul for God Almighty Himself, which is what's necessary in order to attract the infinite to come down. Now, this idea that we activate, we use Yaakov in order to get to the highest level. This is why we say that in prayer itself, the point, the main pinnacle of prayer we said is what? Love God with all your heart, with all your soul. With all your might, that's the pinnacle. That's where you want to get. You want to get to that rapture of this love of with all your might. But in order to get to there, what do you say before the Shema? You have many, the blessings of the Shema, which have many verses of compassion. With your great mercy, have mercy on us. Keep on evoking God's mercy, God's compassion. This is what we practice the Birchis Yotzer or in the blessing of the formation of life. With your great mercy, have mercy on us. You want to evoke um, a lot of mercy on the soul. Why is it so pitiful for the soul? We were once beings of light. We were once on the highest, highest places. And what happened to our soul? We were, we were um, cast down lower and lower into the lowest places all the way down into a body in which we can totally forget about God and even God forbid fall into sin and become completely disconnected and that is this is all part I see how all this all part of tshuva repentance you feel mercy you feel you cry for yourself now in truth now why do you have to feel now if compassion is the method to um to to the key to this to this powerful inner 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 uh energy of the soul so then why do you have to be in a body he's going to explain that even the heavens above even the most 
sublime levels of the Garden of Eden, even the most sublime levels of spiritual enlightenment, is a pitiful state because it's all created by a tiny array of God, by a crumb of God's light. So it's pitiful. So then you can have pity on your soul when you're in heaven too. The answer is that when you're in heaven, since it feels so good, you're constantly on a high. You never even It never even occurs to a person that they're in a pitiful state. They are in a pitiful state. From the ultimate perspective, they are they, the pity of God um, relates, Hashem's infinite mercy relates even to the heavens, even to the heavens of the heavens. However, we, we can't appreciate it until we are really blocked. When we are, because we, 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 when we're in, in misery <laughs> down here in our physical bodies and there's so much obstruction for a spiritual soul that tries to connect and he or she experiences so much interference with the needs of the physical. And that's why, and that's when you feel that you're not connecting. And that's when you can evoke the mercy. That's when you can wake up the tears. You wouldn't do it in heaven. However, he says, he wants to explain why mercy is considered a infinite, an infinite uh, energy, because mercy, he says, applies on every level. It goes higher and higher and higher and higher and higher, even to the most sublime levels, where maybe kindness is not necessary, because they have already so much. Mercy applies even then, because even they are in a pitiful state. The mere fact that they exist within creation is pitiful. Um, the great mercy is applicable even to the supernal worlds. And what is that? And, and like it says, the lower waters, they cry. I want to be in front of the king. It says when God separated the waters, the upper waters and the lower waters. So the upper waters, the lower waters are, 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 are weeping. The, the wailing waters, the waters weep. Why do they weep? Because they cry, we want to be in front of God. The upper waters were, were drawn up towards Hashem. The lower waters were cast down. And so the lower waters are crying. So there is an, an existential crying, which is crying means they feel pity for themselves that they're so far. So the Alter Rebbe applies this, that this applies even to the spiritual worlds. They too are called the lower waters. Even the highest spiritual worlds are also called the lower waters. They're not the higher waters. Higher waters are embedded and one with God. So anything within creation is considered the lower waters. And they are crying, we want to be in front of the king. And even the supernal garden of Eden, which is so lofty and so high, is also in a pitiful state, because it's only receiving from God a little ray and a little radiance. Look what we learned in that Maimur, which is in Parshas Re'e. And therefore, it is called, that's why mercy is called, Rachamim is called, an inheritance without borders. It's applicable even on the highest worlds and also obviously applicable down here. So throughout all of existence, there is a cry of mercy, a cry of compassion. Now, so what does that help? When one uses this method of evoking mercy on himself, then one is able to arrive to the love and to, and to come 
you can reach the deepest desire of your soul. In other words, the mercy cracks the heart open and exposes the essence. That's what the mercy, the compassion does. It breaks the heart. When you cry, literally you weep, your heart opens up. And, and if, if the heart opens up, guess what? If there's a certain juice that's inside of there, it will spill out. I mean, you know there's blood there, but it spills out. In this case, the, the blood of the soul the, the, that's in the heart, that's concealed and blocked, is this super rational burning desire to melt into God. And, and we usually don't feel it, but when we, have a, when we have a broken heart, because we feel mercy for ourselves, then it opens up. Koshikosov, like it says, and he gives an incredible, beautiful um, um, analogy, um, 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 visual to this idea. Uh, I wish, you know, this is a good meditation. Hold this, hold this visual in your mind. Don't let go of it. You can use it all the time. It says in the verse, Koshikosov, like it says, God says, the Esa, Esem, I carried you, but it can also be read, I lifted you up. Al Nisharim on the wings of eagles. So what does that mean? We know that in the chariot above, fasten your seatbelts. That in the chariot above, on the chariot above, there is four beasts. On the right side is a lion, on the left side is an ox. And then in the in one of the other sides is the, the, the in the front is the face of a man, and, the, and in the back is the face of an eagle, is a bird. So what does that represent? The right side is chesed, the left side is gevura, and that's the ox, and the teferes, the middle side, is the is the eagle. So what we say about the eagle, or some say nesher is a a different type of a of a bird, but a huge bird. It exhibits, it has compassion. It's one of the birds that show compassion, primarily to their to their children. You can see clearly its compassion for its children. Rashi says when it goes down to its nest, it doesn't want to scare them. You know, a big bird coming down, thump, it doesn't want to kill. So it comes, it, it makes noise outside in order to get ready them. They shouldn't get stuck. You see, it, it's so sensitive to its little eaglets, uh, the eagle. And so physical bird is that way, it's, it's spiritual. So what does God say? When we went out of Egypt, God said, I lifted you and I carried you on the wings of, of eagles. So what does that mean? To lift ourselves up to the greatest heights, we have to flap the wings of the eagle. The wings of the eagle are the compassion. When we have compassion on our soul, on our own soul, we're eliciting the divine eagle. And we hop onto the wings of that, and being and the wing and the eagle takes off and soars high, high. And as Rashi says, the eagle takes its babies and it puts it on top of its wings. Not all other birds keep it below. The eagle keeps it on top for whatever reason, but also because it has compassion on its children. But the idea over here is that we can ride the waves, the wings, the flight. We fly up to the highest heights through compassion for ourselves. So. You see the see whenever you need it, you see the, the eagle taking off with the birds on it and it's going high. So you can't even see it anymore. It went so high. And think of yourself as taking a flight on on the wings of eagles to the to the deepest connection, Tasha. Um because the eagle as it, oh, and the verse says, and guess what? I said this the other I brought you to me alive, because that's the whole point. What, which heights are we talking about over here? 
the height that the soul can experience its desire, not for Hashem's lights and for Hashem's, you know, emanations. We want past that. We want you. The, the element of the eagle, the awakening of mercy. Through this, I literally bring you literally to me. What does that mean? To God's very substance and essence. Now he says in the parentheses, there's another verse that says, the way of the, I think it's a verse in, in, in Proverbs. The way of the eagle is in the heavens. That the eagles have like pathways in the heavens. Um, that, that's the verse, the deeper meaning, is that the eagle takes you to the heaven inside of you. Because this de desire that transcends reason, that transcends logic, is the highest dimension of our soul, which is called the heaven of our soul. He's going to explain now beautifully in a whole, in, a, in, a, in, in this, uh, it's a long parenthesis, going to bring many, many ideas related to this, that we have within our soul itself, we have the earth part of our soul and the heaven of our soul. The earth part of our soul is the part of our soul that is enclosed in our body, which is the lower parts of our soul, which sometimes can be divided into three levels, nefesh, ruach, nesham. Soul, the spirit, and the and the the, the, the force of life, the, soul, the spirit, and the soul. And these are all levels of soul that are enclosed in the body. But then there are the transit, transcendental aspects of our soul called chai um, and yechidah or in the words of the Zohar, both of them together are called neshama l'neshama, the soul of the soul. And, and what does that mean? That's the, that's the soul where the soul is not yet, or not in any way limited by the body. So being that that dimension of the so-called Yechidah Shabbanatish, and that's where we experience, in that transcendent element of our soul, we experience the infinite yearning for God. But we need to, we need to like, drill a hole to get to that part of our soul. And that's what we use the mercy for. And that's the meaning, the way of the eagle is just like a bird that flies into the sky. It takes you to the shamayim of your own soul. So hop on to your own compassion to go to your, to your element of your heaven. As it says earlier, like it will be explained. That the Bechoma Odecha, that with, when it says all your might, and the supernal will that's in the soul, that is the heaven inside of us, in order to arrive to this level or to touch this level, this is by means of the eagle. Because we know that the middle branch or the middle channel, we know that there is three channels. The right, the middle, the ends and left, and the right is kindness. The middle, the, the left is is severity, and the middle is is compassion, is teferis. So we know that the middle branch it goes up the highest. It reaches to the highest. It reaches all the way into keter. So if you look at the kabbalistic chart, you see chesed goes on top of chesed is chachma, right? Is wisdom on top of of, of gavura. Is is Bina. And what's on top of Teferit? Teferis passes through Das 
and it goes even higher, it goes all the way up into Kesef. So that's the idea that this is the transcendental parts of the soul, both in us and also in God. Because the middle branch or the middle channel, it's called the center bar, which we discussed many times in the temple. Also, the center bar was the bar that went through all three walls. It didn't, it wasn't limited. Different bars only covered a certain section of the temple. The, the poles that held the walls together, not, not the temple, the tabernacle. So they had these, these bars, but the bars only went half a wall. But the center bar, the ones that were higher and lower, went only to a certain distance. The middle bar went from one end to the other end, which it represents this concept. That comes down, it, 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 it comes through from the highest point, which is called Tzav of Kalam, the encompassing light. And the supernal will, until the lowest point. And as stated in the Zohar, in Parshas Truma, and look at the Mimer, this is the first Mimer in Lukuti Torah in Parshas, in Sefer Bamidbar, the Indian, a very beautiful Mimer, where over there too he speaks about the verse where it says, lift the heads of the Jewish people to their skulls. What does that mean, lift them up to their skulls? <laughs> Simply means do a head count. That's the simple meaning. But the Hasidic interpretation, the deeper esoteric interpretation, the inner meaning of it, God said, I don't like them serving me like, like scientists. I'm not interested in that. I don't want them. They should engage with me intellectually with the limitation just through their minds. I want their skulls. I want them to connect to their superpowers and to love me with madness. That's what God wants. He wants the madness. And that means lift them up to their soul. But when the Pasuk says you should lift them up to their Gilgaloisim, to their skull, which is above the head, above the brain, um, what's the means? How do you do that? So the verse says, how will you count them? Which is really a method of bringing them up to their higher love. It says you should count them to their families, to their father's house. So the altar of explains what does it mean, their families? Families were the children of Jacob. I'm sorry, the Shvatim. They're called the families. Father's house means all the way up to Yaakov. Yaakov is from the father, is the patriarch. Which means if you want to go up to your skull, the way to go, which is represents this higher love, or like he said later, Shamayim, the skull is the Shamayim in you, the top of your head. Physically, that would be your Shamayim, that would be your, 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 your sky, your heaven. So in order to get there, to go there, you need to use your family. What's the family? The energies of Jacob's children. Now, in the in, in, in the mimer over there, he explains that this too, that what's the difference between Jacob and Jacob's children? Because the verse divides them: mishpachot some their families, lebeis to their fathers. Is because Yaakov's children, and also not just Yaakov's children, the twelve tribes, also the seventy family members of Jacob, are all extensions of Jacob's mercy. Because Jacob's mercy itself, we spoke earlier, exists on all levels. So in that, there is a higher level of mercy, which is Jacob himself. And there's a lower level of mercy. The higher level of mercy, Jacob's mercy, appreciates mercy from God's perspective. J Jacob himself was a divine being. 
He's a personification of one of the divine attributes. And because of that, he contains within his neshama the perspective of God, and therefore he sees even the highest worlds is considered pitiful and merciful. He can weep for Ganeden. For those that are, <laughs> he can weep for those that are sitting in Ganeden and, and are in Garden of Eden and, and are, are in the heights of ecstasy, of bliss. Jacob can sit and weep of how pathetic they are. Um, however, Jacob's sons, they can't. They don't have that high level of mercy, but they can weep for us down here. So that's the idea, gradations. You rec first you go, first you first you recognize how 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 pitiful our state is down here. And that evokes one level of mercy. And that's called to his you're lifting yourself up to his families, the family of Jacob. You're feeling the lower level. Ja you're lifting yourself into Jacob's genes, Yaakov's genes, as it is manifest in his grandchildren. Third generation of of of, of, of mercy. Mercy already, but on a much lower level. But then you work your way up to a much greater perspective, to a much far more expansive perspective, where you can cry on the level of Yaakov, where you can see even existing as part of creation is a pitiful state. And that lifts you up, Legil Galoisam, to your to the to the skull. So it's a it's a climbing a ladder. That's what he explains over there. Um, to your families, this represents the 70 souls, who are the extension of Yaakov's, of Yaakov. They're called those who come out of the loins of Yaakov. All these are all levels, spiritually, they all represent levels of love, of mercy. This will bring you to your skull. This is the supernal will. And this is and I can know that as it is known. So it's the same idea like the eagle takes you up into the heaven. You climb on Yaakov. Yaakov is the eagle. And he takes you up into the heaven to your skull. Skull is your head. See? It's the same, same idea. And this will explain a passage of the Zohar in Pekude. It says on this verse that we're learning over here, the heavens are my throne. The Zohar says, de This is the firmament of Jacob. This is the firmament, this is the sky where Yaakov dwells over there. And the sages say, that's where, the Zohar says, and that's what it means, the heavens are my throne. Which, which heaven? The heaven where Jacob is. So what, what's the connection? The connection is, heaven represents this, this higher desire, this higher yearning. And that's God's throne. Because God's throne means that he sits down, he's drawn, he's pulled, he's pulled by our romantic gestures because we want him. That's what pulls him. But how do we access such a high level of desire if we could be satisfied with much lesser godly revelations? So what pushes us to such a deep experience? The answer is Yaakov. And that's what it says, that God says, which which sky is the sky in which God says, I place my throne? The sky, the heaven, where ya the firmament, where Yaakov is, 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 dwells over there. Which means the firmament where there is mercy. Because mercy and compassion lift us up into that state of, into, into that state. 
through the attribute of mercy, we can then arrive to this level that the heaven is my is my is my throne. The Zehu, and this is also the meaning when Moshe Rabbeinu says to the Jewish people in in Deuteronomy in Parshas Nitzav, Moshe says to the Jewish people, Miyala, that you should that you know you might say uh, the, he says Torah that that, um, that this commandment is not in the heaven that you should say who is going to go for me up to the heaven and, and take it for me. Right, that's the, that's the verse. But the Alter Rebbe says, and then the verse continues, but rather it's very close to you. In your mouth, in your in your heart, to do it. it the Torah is very, the simple meaning is that Torah is very accessible to each and every one of us. For us to observe it, to, to perform it, to, to perform the mitzvahs. However, the deeper meaning is, don't say you can't go up to heaven. Kikar is close to you to go to heaven because you have an eagle that can take you up. So he's learning a little different. Not it, It's not in the heaven, it's close. If it's not in the heaven, who needs it? You want something that's in the heaven that's far. And yet we're saying for you, it's not far because uh, you've got a, a uh, Concorde jet that can take you there. Activate the power of your Jacob in your soul. Hop onto the eagle and you will go. Who will go up? The matter is very close. When we evoke this mercy, and that's also the reason why the sages tell us, that below the throne of glory is engraved, you know, if you look on the underside, if you might say, of the cloak of the of the of the of the of God's throne. Imagine you can see God's throne. If you look at the bottom, you know, there's the, the, the part where it forms the seat, and you look beneath it, you see the carving of Jacob, Yaakov of you know, the face of Yaakov is carved in God's throne. And now we understand why. Because in order for the throne to pull God down, the, the throne means he loads it down. It's the it's it's Jacob who accomplishes that. That's where he belongs on the throne. But yesterday we went hiking, and um, I got out a little. I needed to get out of this heavy cloud and stuff. We went to, up. There's a, a place in Malibu called Solitus Canyon. It was a good workout. It was a good hike, and there's a certain stone over there. A stone that protrudes from the mountain. And I, I always, I, that's one of the places I hiked many times, especially when I was years ago, when I, t- I used to take my, I used to be a teacher for fourth graders. I took the boys, I used to take them on that hike. I thought it was an amazing hike. It's a waterfall, it's cool. Uh, but there's, when you look out into the valley, like you're high up, you're climbing and climbing, you know, there's the mountain up against you and there's like stone that's like halfway protruding out. And it has the, literally looks like a person standing with a talus over their head. An amazing like sculpture, like it's a whole piece of a rock sticking out. I always say it as Moshe Rabbeinu, or I see it as the Rebbe with the talus on his head facing. It's just amazing. So today, uh, my daughter, which was with me on the hike, shared the picture with the family, uh, with, with those who didn't go on the hike, and she said, "What does it look like?" And right away, you know, I said, a person davening with a talus. <laughs> 
So sculpture. So what's if you've seen this under the under the throne of glory, who's engraved? Yaakov is there. Um, so the deeper meaning is that because heaven, who takes you up to the heaven? Yaakov. So that's the meaning. And it says the heaven is my throne. So that's the idea. Same idea of the Zohar, where the Zohar says the firmament that Yaakov dwells is the same idea that the Kisei HaKavod is has Yaakov's engravement in it. Now this level of this this experience of the rapture of the soul with all my might, that is the higher level of tshuva, the higher level of repentance, that level is called why? Why is it called If you have five names to your soul, which means they're stacked one on top of each other. So the highest level of your soul is the Yechida, that is one with God. That's why it yearns for God, because it's completely one with the infinite. It knows the infinite intimately, and it's constantly in a state of attachment to it. So the Yechida of the Nefesh. So therefore, it's your heaven, because it's your highest, the highest element of the soul. And, 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 and also another idea. The heavens are round, circular. They represent the encompassing light. Not a light that goes into a vessel. It's like energies that are bigger than the vessel. They're just surrounding. So the level of Yechida is incomprehensible. We can't understand it. It's no logic to it. It's forces in the human soul that are beyond logic. Holy forces. That's also another reason why it's heaven. Why? Because Nefesh Ruach Neshama, Naran is an acronym for these for the three lower levels of the soul. The Nefesh, the spirit, and the and the Neshama, Mislapsh and Bikalim, they become enclosed in vests. which isn't the case on the more transcendent levels of the soul. They're not contained in vessels. Where does vessel start? Containers start in Bina. Bina is where vessels really begin. It's like when you process an idea, you start understanding it means you're starting to digest it in your in your stomach of your mind. You're taking it into a container. From Bina and onward, there's Caleb. But the Chachma doesn't really have vessels. Chachma is like life without a vessel. We've been learning recently about that quite a lot. If you remember, we learned about the the... The, the 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 water libations versus the wine libations, and the wine libations is the, it's, it's a place of words. The water libation, which is, comes from chachma, is beyond words. So chachma is just pure energy. There's no vessel. So in the soul, neshama, which is the highest of the three, nefesh, is connected to the malchut of the soul, the most grounded element of our soul. Um, ruach is connected to the emotions of the soul, the, 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 the six emotions, and and that spirit, and and the shama is bina, the understanding of the soul. But that's all vested in vessels. It's all, it's all the soul as it is contained in a container. However, the chai, the chai level of the neshama, the level of chai, is the is the energy of chachma that's in the soul, which is transcendent energy. And Yechida is the Keter of the soul, the crown of the soul. So that's why it's called the heaven. That's the power of the soul to grasp. And understood. 
and she is the mother of the children. These are the emotions. As a result of the intellectual grasp, come the emotions. That have been born from the understanding and from the das. The word chachma means the power of what? The power of complete nullification. Which is it's our surrender to God that's beyond any any logic that's beyond the 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 the, the, the intelligence that is graspable and understandable with the altar Rebbe in Tanya chapter 18 and in and in the epistle number four in the back of the Tanya where the letters of the altar Rebbe in these two places he speaks about the madness of the Jewish soul he speaks about in chapter 18, he explains how people intrinsically have it within them to die for the sanctification of God's name without any hesitation at all. And people are people, even people who were non who weren't really too religious, but when push comes to shove and something someone wants to rip them away from God, they 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 they, they, they the, the response is one of self-sacrifice, of complete not thinking of self. Because the Alter Rebbe says you're activated that transcendent part of your soul that is not limited, that's not questioning what is in it, what is in it for me. Now, sometimes we think about it. Okay, this happened way when back when people had to die on Kedusha Hashem. No, this happened last week when hundreds of people jumped into their cars and ran into the madness through the whizzing bullets to save other Jews. And they weren't doing it because they wanted to get a medal of honor, or they weren't doing it because they wanted to go to Gan Eden. They were doing it because the plight of other people in suffering was so was so touched them in such a deep place that it didn't matter if I'm going to live. I need to do whatever I can to save people. It comes from our, and why do you love people so much? Because you love God so much. See, these things are concepts, but we don't realize how, how visible they are in our lives, even though they seem sometimes so lofty. It's, it's, these are real experiences that we witness every day people doing. That's the chachma. It's an irrational thing. It's not logical to do to, to, to behave that way. People do this. That's the chasma, the transcendent of logic. And in Agaris Akhaidir Simandalari explains how that um, when this level of your soul, until this level of your soul is not opened up, he says you're a prisoner, you're an exile. Only when you're serving God with this level of your soul of madness, you're, you're liberated and you're living in Mashiach consciousness. That's what he explains in Tanya over there. So you're the same, and this is your heaven of your soul. And that's why it's called an encompassing energy. And this is the level of Chaya. Well, first he's speaking that the lower level of, 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 of Chachma, which is the level of Chaya. Remember we said there are two encompassing energies, the lower and then the higher. As it says, And what's the relationship of Chachma to Chaya? It says wisdom enlivens. So you see the connection that Chachma is related to the word Chaya, Chaya, Chaya. And Chachma is the, is the level of soul called Chaya. And Yechida is even higher. And that's why when it comes to heaven, if Chaya is already called heaven because it's encompassing energy, then Yechida is called the heavens of the heavens. Like we find in, in scripture, sometimes it says, the heavens and the heavens of the heavens. So just like above are these two levels, so too in our own soul, 
even in our level of transcendence, there's two levels of transcendence. There's heaven and there's heaven of the heaven. Okay. And now he's going to give another reason why tshuva is, why this higher, this tshuva law, this higher repentance, which is which characterizes as this, 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 this uh, super rational desire to be one with God, to connect to God. Another reason why it's called heaven is because of the fire element of the heaven. In the word Shamayim, you have the word Esh. And that's the, so heaven, heaven has a fire in it. And it's the, and this love is fire. It's unquenchable. As he explained, that the higher truth which is characterized in the Shema with all, as all your might, Nikra Shamayim, the reason it's called Shamayim, it's stated in the book of formation. Shalosh Imois, there are three mothers. Here it's speaking about the letters of the Aleph base, 22 letters. From the 22 letters, there are three of them that are called mother letters Aleph, Mem, and Shin. These are the mother letters for whatever reason. So, and this exists being that God created the world with the 22 letters. So and there's, 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 um, the way it works is like this. There is three mothers. There are seven doubles. Like we see, cuff, cuff, base, vase, seven letters that are, that are double letters. And then there are 12 regular letters. So 12, seven, and two, and three is, 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 is 22, 22 letters altogether. So there, the, the Tzefi Yitzirich saying how the three mother letters are obviously cornerstones in creation. Aleph, Mem, Shin. And they stand for as follows. Aleph is the power of fire. Aleph is the first letter in the word Esh. Mem is the first letter of the word Mayan. So fire and water is really the real, the substance to everything is comes into being. So you have these two letters, Aleph and Mem. The third one, Shin, represents ear, which is a blend of fire and water, which is kind of, has the, it's in between, not a blend, but it's in between them. And that's the air, the oxygen, whatever. That's related to the letter Shin. Right now, I don't know. I don't, I don't recall why. But in any case, in the world, as it manifests in the world, Ruach, Mayim, and Esh. Wind, water, and fire. Shamayim, Nivru, Tchilam, Esh. Heavens were created first from fire. Even though we know that the Rashi says that the word Shamayim is made up of the word Mayim as well. It actually has more of the word Mayim in it than Esh. From, from Esh, all it has is the Shin from Esh. Rashi still says that it's made up of Esh and Mayim. Yet, in Sefi Yetzirah, it says, implies that the heaven was made up first from fire. Maybe the water was added on later. It's always when you look at, at a ingredients, when you're, you know, you're looking, the most important ingredient always regarding bracha is always the first ingredient. That tells you like the main substance. So the first ingredient in the heaven is the fire. The Eretz Nivrasmi Mayim, and earth was created from water. Uh, the Avir, 
And the ear, nivra meruach. And the ear is created from the power of wind. Machria bentayim, that is in a, a mediator between them. That's why ear is between the heaven and the earth. And so it says over there, Gimel Pchenes Elu Benefesh, that these three powers, Aleph, Mem, Shin, these three letters, Esh, Mayim, and Ruach, which are the power, the force of these three things, also is to be found in each and every one of our souls. And it explains over there, what's the fire of your soul? We'll see, it's, it's strange. I mean, you wouldn't expect this. Roish Nivram Esh, the head was created from fire. It's consistent with what we were saying earlier, that the head, and especially the skull, is the is your heaven inside of you. So if the heavens are made out of fire, then the head should be made out of fire. The reason why I'm saying it's it's unexpected is because you would think that the fire is more relating to the heart. And the head actually is what keeps you cool. The coolant comes from the head. And that's what it says in Tanya in chapter uh, 3 in Tanya, right in the beginning when he explains the 10 faculties, he explains that the heart is the fiery is the fiery element. The element of fire is in the heart and the element of water is in the head. But yet over here, he brings the concept that, that the head is, is, is fire. and the, So in, over here, um, I don't know how to reconcile it. And he, the Tzemach Tzedek doesn't, I would, I would have thought that he would have, you know, the style of Tzemach Tzedek, that when he states, states something, he right away questions it by a million other, by the, and, and resolves it. But over here, and here he doesn't. And it is explained now. Now he's going to explain. Okay, so, so once we know that heaven is made up of fire, what's the idea of fire? So it's explained in the Mimer, which is, you know, a few weeks ago. We didn't learn it a few weeks ago, but it's in the parasha a few weeks ago. And in other places. Where it says, that God, your God, is a consuming fire. The concept of when it refers to God as, as fire is the idea that it that it, the opposite of manifestation downward into vessels is that it retracts into itself, into its infinity, into its non-descriptive state. That's the element of fire. Just like fire is always jumping upward. Because the reason why God is compared is retracts in because there is nothing appealing to him, because nothing could compare to him. So everything is insignificant and nothing. So he returns back into his own infinite self. Because even the world that is so perfect and so elevated and so majestic, like the world of Atsilos, which has all the divine, most magnificent, beautiful attributes, but to God himself, it can't compare. So there's a, there is a certain... Um, um, energy within the divine to depart, God forbid, from the world of Atsilas and to retract into his into his mysterious self above Atsilas. Because he says, even Atsilas, who are even Atsilas, in order for God to reside or to emanate into Atsilas, Hashem has to lower himself. Like we say, um, the word Atsilas is called Atsilas because an emanation means to a certain degree, something that is separating from the source. That's the idea of an emanation. It's going, it's emanating away from its source. And Atsilus is called the wor- the world, the man of action. It's already in, to a certain degree, although it's so much higher than the world of Asiya, 
But in the general perspective, when we analyze the entire scope of existence, Atsilus, which is the root of the four worlds, it too is called Asiya. It's considered the lowest form of existence. So that's why the fire retracts. The godly element of fire is an upward motion. The Alkena or in Soif, and that is the reason why the infinite light, Ubekinesis is not naturally. If you leave it alone and you don't fight it, our job is to fight this in God. But if, you know, to change that, because naturally God, what he does is he's in a state of his talcos. He retracts to be completely inverted in himself, to be absorbed in his source. And, you know, and when we become that way also, when we don't want to engage with people, we want to run away from society, we want to lock ourselves up in ourselves, we cause the same thing in heaven that God also wants to withdraw. It's, it's no good. You have to always, you have to engage with people. You have to engage with the world. You have to engage with society. You have to, you have to, you have to fight it. You have people who are naturally reclusive. And this is, they have, a, they have a fire in their soul, the fire element of, of withdrawal, of turning inward. And God has that. Vizel kel elyon. And that's the meaning that God is a, a exalted God. He's always going higher. However, since we're created in the image of God, so a little spark of that divine fire is in the soul as well. But what does it do to the soul? It actually, since we are created in God's image, that itself is the remedy to God's elusiveness. Because since God implanted himself in us, and so we get a little bit of his fire, so within us, that fire draws us away from the material physical world and fires us up to yearn to connect to him. It creates within us that longing, that high, that law, the higher chuva that we're talking about. That's our shamayim, that's our ish, that's our fire. This creates within the soul also, this ish, in a, in, a, in a state of fire, to become absorbed above. The, the, the soul of man is, co- is compared to the Ner Hashem, to the lamp of God. Just like a lamp is always leaping upward, the fire is always going upward, the soul is always seeking to attach itself. And the general collection of all souls, the ensemble of all souls, which is the Shekhinah, Nikra Isha is called Isha Oila, a, a, a fiery Ola, like a, like a sacrifice of an Ola that is always going upward. So the souls are yearning because of this fire that's implanted within the souls to constantly yearn and go upward. Isha, and what is Isha? Isha, no, Isha Ola. Isha, Eish, Hey. Or, or I, don't know if they, I don't know if this word is Isha, which refers to her as a woman, or Ish, Isha Lashem, fire to God, but it's the same thing. A woman is called woman, is called Isha because of her burning desire for her husband, which is Aish. She burns to him. And in our case, the souls burn to our husband, which is God. The Gam Oila, and therefore arises also upwards. Like a flame that naturally goes up. And that's why this is called heavens. Because the heavens are also made up of fire. So before we learned that this, 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 this is called Shamayim because of the transcendent quality of heaven, that heaven is not in a vessel, it's, it's, it, it encompasses around. We said that this fire comes from our Yechida, the part of our soul that's not enclosed in a body. 
It's transcendent. Now we're attributing the element of Shamayim to it because of what Shamayim is made out of, which is fire. And maybe that's itself what keeps it transcendent. Because what, what makes it be a transcendent doesn't it settle in vessels. What keeps the heavens circling the earth and not kind of collapsing into the earth? What keeps it's because they're constantly in a state of yearning upward. So they don't go into containers. And this that it says that remember all this, by the way, is all not the mimer. All of this is the, the Tzemach Tzedek's um, a little note in the mimer in which he's throwing all this information. And this then in Sefi Yetzirah, it says that the head is also made out of fire. Because the main desire is in the head. And that's where really I triggered the question because we would think that the main desire is in the heart. It's even called Reusa Daliba. It's called the yearning of the heart. But yet he says the main desire is in the head. So again, question mark on that. I don't know. But he brings a pasuk to it. It says, and it will be al mitzvah. It's referring to the to the forehead plate, the plate that the high priest wore on his forehead. Uh, it says, tamid It should always be there for 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 will, which over here means for this higher will. Galgalta. This is the idea of the galgalta, the skull, the chafya al That's above the brain. This is the higher will in the soul. It's called the Galgalta. That's this, 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 this unquenchable um, um, attachment of the soul to God. Super rational connection. Um, now these two dynamics of heaven and earth. Now, we, so far we only spoke about heaven. We didn't speak about earth. Earth is a, is is an opposite. Earth is a grounding, is gravity. It pulls downward. So it, it's its nature is to settle down. Like the attribute of Malchus, she goes down to create the worlds. She descends. Shekhinah. It's descending. It's going into vessels. Manifesting in... in it's what it... Right? So it's the opposite energy within us. There's an energy inside of us that wants to escape everything that can trap us. And there's another energy in us that wants to invest ourselves in things. The, the power of investment in things is the power of malchus. The power of our escaping of things is our power of chayachida, chachma, and keta. It's the aloofness. Now, chachma is the power of ma. One of Hashem's names equals 45. Because yudke vavke is 26, but when you add in the hidden letters, as we discussed many times, you get 45. Another one of Hashem's names, the same name, Yudke Vavke, but when you fill them with different fillings, you get 52. From there, the Kabbalists give us a concept that the two names of God, one is 45 and one is 52. These are two opposite dynamics. 45 is a dynamic of um, being completely um, one with your source to the point that you are in a state of silence and mute, muteness. A state of complete um, self. There's no self. It's just complete um, inclusion in your source. That's the idea of ma, and that's why you might say, I, "I am what? I have no existence. I'm lost in the in the in the in the in the infinity of God." 
It knows the opposite of being pronounced as something. Ma, 52, is the energy to come down and pronounce yourself as something. Godliness pronounces itself. These are the two powers. As stated in a different place, the two dynamics of Ratzai, Ratzai is racing upward. And Shuv is settling down, bringing, the, bringing, bringing yourself back into vessels. These two, which is really the pulse of life, if you take a look, if you listen, you put your hands on the pulse, there's the pulse in and out, in and out, the heartbeat, it's in and out, it's the constant to the movement. And this exists in every world. That's the ma and bam of each world. The racing forward, which means the withdrawal into higher. Goes from the name of ma. Because ma means what am I? The bottle to become completely dissolved and absorbed in the in the infinite one, blessed is he, literally. But then the the, the idea that we God doesn't want us to dissolve in his light because he wants us to make a difference in this world. So he wants us to shine our light down outward. And that's the idea of the shuv returning down. comes from the energy of 52. And this is the idea, as we're going to see later. It says, the heavens are my seat and the earth is where I put my feet. Grounding God. His feet is coming down. Like we'll be speaking later in the mind. The Zau, and this is the meaning of there's a verse that says, Yikra el me'al. He calls to the heavens above, Vela aretz, and to the earth, Ladin amoy, to judge his people. God calls the heaven, then he calls the earth. And the sages say in tractates on heaven, in the beginning of the, the, the para called. Chelek, which is really easy. That's why it's called Chelek. So that in the there it says, The Medrash Darshan says, God calls to the heavens above. The Gemara Darshan, the Gemara expounds. When it says that God calls to the heavens above, from above and to the earth, so the Gemara says, he calls the heavens, means he calls the soul, and he calls the earth, means he calls the body. So heaven is the soul, and the earth is the body. Um, it might be, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I'm just guessing. The truth is, it's just a wild guess. It might be related to the idea when it says God calls them both together, is because it says when a person passes away, then when they want to judge the soul, the soul says, "What do you mean? I didn't do anything wrong. I'm a tzaddik. I've, it's the body that." You're going to punish me for the sins of the body? God speaks to the body, and the body says, look at me, I'm laying over here in the grave. I can't move a limb. I didn't sin. It's the soul. Go speak to the soul. So God calls the heavens above and the earth below, puts them together, and he judges them together. Because together they were somehow figured it out. So um, that, that might be what the Talmud says over there. I didn't check it up. But from what, but what the Tzemach Tzedek is bringing over here is that soul is called heaven and body is called earth. Chenu b'medrash so says a Medrash Rabbah, So we can explain this more. What it says in, in, in Medrash Rabbah, um, 
Dover Achat. The Medrash is trying, giving a bunch of reasons why Moshe, why Moshe is speaking to the heavens and the earth the, the day that he's passing away. Moshe addresses heaven and earth. What, what, what did he want with heaven and earth? So the Medrash says, Why was he talking to heaven and earth? Because Moshe was holding before he passed away. And he said, I don't know. I don't know where my soul is going. If I'm going upwards to heaven or I'm going down to earth. Who knows? So therefore, Moshe said, I want to I score points with heaven and earth. So if I end up in heaven, heaven will be, you know, yeah, at least he spoke to me. And if I and if I end up on earth, so earth will know, okay, so he, you know, he at least, you know, I have already a rapport with him. That's what the Midrash says. Obviously, it's a deep secret of it. But the Tzemach Tzedek is saying, what do you mean Moshe doesn't know if he's going to heaven or earth? If there's ever a heavenly person whose soul is, basically it means, am I going to heaven or am I going to the opposite? So Moshe, if there's, he's the man of the heavens of the heavens. The Moshe should have that question. If he's going, he's going into the ground and there's nothing left of him but earth. That can't be. But he had the beauty. Based on what is stated in Zohar. In Parshas Vayechi. Three levels of soul. We discussed earlier. And then it says, And it says that these three powers, and then there is neshama the soul to the soul that we discussed earlier, the transcendent powers of the soul. And that's called neshama lineshama. It's called soul. And the, and, 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 the, and the Zohar says that the lower three parts of the soul, nefesh, ruach, neshama, they're considered a body to the soul. In other words, even though compared to the body, the nefesh, ruach, neshama is the soul, it's the life force. But compared to the soul of the soul, the soul itself, with all its three dimensions, are called the body, not the soul. By the way, the three elements, the three other three, are related also to the three floors in the ark, which this week's parsha says God says you make it three floors. It's to do with the three levels of soul, three, so it's all, all connected. And the intention over here is so then the Zohar says, as a result of the spiritual union of male and, and female in the in the godly realms, in the supernal realms above, there are unions between the masculine attributes referred to as Erampin and Malchut. When they unify together, it creates a birth. It creates children. Who are the children? The souls of the children. And, it's, and now, and, and, and these are the souls. But, and what does that mean? So, Malchus we discussed earlier is called earth. So Malchus creates within the soul the lower three parts of the soul, which are more grounded. Malchus anchors, delivers into the soul the lower parts of the soul, which ground the soul. What do we say? Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama vests itself in the body. So a soul, why is the soul completely not free to fly away? Because the soul's mother is Malchus. So Malchus, because she's part of the Aret, she's called Aret, and she's related to the shame Ban, the name Ban, which has gravitational pull downward. So this is what creates within the soul the Nefesh Ruch Neshama that is now. The father's element that's placed in there, 
the, the masculine side, he gives Shamayim energy. He gives Ash energy. And therefore, how does it translate in the soul? It translates in the soul to create the Chayachida element, the, 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 the soul to the soul that doesn't go settle in the body, that remains transcendent. Okay. Um, so now we know we're all a blend, each and every one of us, in our DNA, spiritual DNA, we're a, we're a blend of masculine and feminine light. And, and that translates in us in the two energies of Ma and Ban, and as they manifest in our in our different parts of our soul. Okay? The, the more grounded soul and the and the more fleeting soul. Kiza, because the Ampin, who's soifa oilam is ain't self. Zeir Ampin is still part of the ain't self. It's the end of the ain't self. And therefore, since it's still considered the end of the ain't self, it still exhibits traces of ain't self. And that's why it creates lofty souls that are that are that are that are that are always withdrawing into the infinite. Right? Or the higher level of soul, the Shamayim element of this. When it speaks about the two cherubs, the two cherubs, one was male and one was female, represented the union of Zeir Ampen And it says that that point is where all of existence comes together. Malchus is considered the mother of creation. Zeir Ampen is the tail end of God. And then when they click together, it's the attachment. So this is that now when they when when they have a marital union and they have a baby, the baby is going to have a little bit of the mother, a little bit of the father. These are two levels of soul that are within each soul: transcendent energy, grounded energy. Okay, ma and ba. Shen zuchra v'nukva nikra shemayim v'aretz. Oh, hold on. The the kmash kavim nakruv kruv echad mikatzem is that uboy va'al yadai and through the zayir ampin. Even though the air rampin is already mitigated because it's called the air, the air means small. But in it and through it, nimshach me'erach ampin. It's drawn from the keter elements, from erach ampin, from the long face, from the levels of keter that are, and even higher than keter, va'atik, and the ancient of days, ad ein self to the pure ein self itself. It's all, it's all drawn through the masculine dimension through the air ampin. Va'anukva. But the nukva, which is malchus, She's the root of the three lower worlds of creation, Hanikra Gufa, and that's called body. In general, the worlds, the three lower worlds are called the body, and God is the soul that enlivens them. So within, within the soul itself, the 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 malchus, sorry, within malch, the part of the soul that comes from malchus is called the body of the soul. The part of the soul that comes from Zeir Ampin is called the Neshama of the soul. The Neshama in the soul itself, there is a body of a soul and there's the soul of the soul. And the soul that is born out of the union of these two dynamics, she entails within her these two elements. This is the Ma and the Ban that's in the Neshama. Which are male and female. Hanikar Shamayim Va'aretz that are called heaven and earth. Heaven being the soul and earth being the body. And that's the meaning that every soul has heaven and earth. Because every soul is derived from these two powers of the divine, of a union between Ze'er Anpin and Malchus, where Ze'er Anpin is the heaven side and the Malchus is the earth side, the creation side. These are the two powers of Ma and Ban. Oi, 
makifim upnimiim. Or we can characterize it a little different, makif lights or makif energies, which means encompassing energies and, in, and internalization, internalized energies. Internalized energies means energies that go into Kalim, which are uh, the lower parts of the Neshama. Nefesh Ruch Neshama vests itself in Kalim. Chai and Yechida remain hovering. It's Makif. Yechida Chaya. Yechida Chaya is the Shamayim of the Neshama. Venaram, Nefesh Ruch Neshama, is the lower level of the Neshama. Which the level of nefesh ruch neshama nikre guf is called the body lepchenes chay yechida to chay and yechida which is called the soul. Once we have now established that all souls are a blend of these two dynamics, and the and within each soul is ban energy that goes down and ma energy that goes up, which is what's responsible for rotzay v'shuv. Which is what's responsible for nefesh ruach neshama chai yechida. However, the question is, within each soul now, taking now he takes it one step further. Although everybody has everything, the question is, however, in each soul it's different. Which one is the dominant factor? There are souls that are predominantly masculine energies, and therefore they're fleeting away. They're more rotzei souls. And our souls that are more, they have more from, just like when a child is born, some childs look like the father, some children look like the mother. Even though you have from both, but some children take after more one of the parents. So souls are the same things. Some souls take after more of the masculine side of this of the attributes, and other souls take on more the feminine features. And that's the meaning that Moshe said, I don't know if I'm going to heaven or I'm going to earth. That doesn't mean going to the he meant, I don't know what my soul is. If my soul is more of a of a mass soul or my soul is more of a ban soul. Now, Moshe really was more of a mass soul because he says himself, but still on the level, he questions. There are some very lofty souls. Their main neshama is mostly, mostly of the which is called heaven. If they would only be have Shamayim in it, they couldn't last. They need a little bit of female energy there too. They have a little bit of Malchus there as well. That's called earth. And then there are souls that are vice versa. They're mostly grounded. They have a little spark there that, of transcendence. And more, more of Malchus in them and less of Zairam. When she comes to as stated in other places in Beratius, it's interesting how to like do an, a, a, a soul analysis on people on this idea. I mean, you see, there are people that are generally always more, you see they're floating away. They're always, and there are people that are very much grounded, very much in vessels, very much here and now, and they're more productive down here. And there are those that are more free, they have very good ideas, but there's always like, Desire and the sinusoid emotion. Oh, that's what he says. This was Moshe's humility. In truth, he was more of a masal than a bansal, as I mentioned earlier. There's proof to that. But still, because of his humility, he was when he was saying, I don't know if I'm going to heaven and to earth. I, might, I better, I better, I better 
um, what is the word, um, cudgel up, or what's the word? I better like, uh, what's the word? You know, you want to you know, befriend the heaven and befriend the earth. Um, because he doesn't know which one is main is main power of the shop. Obeemes, oh, and that's the same I, I, I forgot that he says this. Obeemes shayrish nishmasaimulmaila Really, the shayrish of Moshe's neshama, no doubt, was higher and higher. The ayin shambarabis. Look over there in the medrash. Okay, this brings us all to the kitzur. Where is this all? All this was trying to explain to us that the main point of davening and the main point of how we attract God is through this Shamayim, through this supernatural yearning. He just gave a bunch of reasons where it's coming from in the soul, why it's called Shamayim, but that's, and every day we need to activate Shamayim to attract God. It's interesting. Our, our, our um, drive upward is what pulls him down. Kids, look at day, even though I said earlier that sometimes that our withdrawal causes God to withdraw. So I want to make a very interesting distinction. When we work on activating our, our, our Ratzah, when we're working, when it comes through Avodah, we want to, naturally, we're kind of very entrenched in, in, in the physical world, or attacked or connect, and we awaken through hard work. As I said earlier, through compassion and the like, we awaken our Ratzah, and our desire is God's desire. But if a person is naturally a person who float, who, who, who's always withdrawn from things into himself, that kind of ratzai does not, away from vessels, does not create the same thing above. Quite on the contrary, it causes God also to withdraw. So that person has to battle it and push himself more into, into life. It's, 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 it's important to make that distinction. We're talking about here, if you do avoda to activate your rutzai with a desire to cleave to God. And now he does a summary. Kitzer. In order to draw down the added light that we are supposed to bring into Ganeden, which means the added light that God is supposed to come in and infuse the heavens above with his, with his presence, not just his ray. This can only be accomplished through evoking feminine waters. From this lower world, with the yearning of the heart, with all of our might. This is the concept of the place where the penitent stands, the Balchuva, because that's a Balchuva. Balchuva is someone who's coming from the darkness of the world and is breaking through. These are all places where this concept is discussed. Now, this is the idea of with all your might. But, but as we discussed in the minor, he also explained means plugging yourself into God, but into the divine features, into the godly emanations. But is to yearn for God himself, which is higher. The comes from our ten faculties of our soul. However, our higher desire, Ratzin Yechida, that's the Ratzin of the Yechida, in order to arrive to this, we have to evoke mercy. The way of the eagle is in the heavens. This level of Yechida is called heaven. Makif, it is encompassing light. 
Sulam, it is a ladder that takes you up to your Magia HaShamayma, that brings you up to your heaven. Shamayim Me'esh, heaven is made up of fire, which is Ratzoi, which is our yearning for transcendence. And it's also Ma, in God's names, it's the name Ma, where, where, where the energy loses itself in its source. The opposite versus that is Eretz, earth, Shuv, which is the returning energy, Bam, which is related to the name of God of 52, which is a downward flow. And then he explained this Pasuk, Yikra Shemayim. So he basically summarized all that we learned in a really long time. Now, we go to chapter number three, Peregimon. When we activate our our arousal from below, with our mighty yearning for God, which is the idea of tshuva, this triggers from above God to reciprocate an arousal from above that it should be, what should God do? That Shamayim should become God's throne. He places his throne on that yearning. When you, when we yearn and we, when we show God our heaven, immediately God puts a throne down on it and descends onto that throne into our heaven. Now, what is it related? What's the idea of a throne? Just like by way of analogy, a adam, a person. When a person sits on a throne, that number one, the person is descending. It's going down. Number two, where is the main descent happening on the back side of the person? Meaning you're sitting on the chair, you're going down with your back. The back of the person. To sit on the throne. On a case when a person sits on a chair. Not on a throne of people, we don't sit on thrones, but we're sitting on a chair. So when you're going there, as a result of your back going down, it doesn't just impact the back, it also impacts the head. Because along with, you can't leave your head up there and the body go down. And when the body goes down, the head is attached. The head goes down as well. Even the head. This represents also God's throne. It's in order to create and to bring forth. A sitting down, and literally drawing down the ain't soif, literally, through this. That we're talking about God descending down. But what does it mean, God's backside? He's going to explain later. That even when the Ain Sof descends, it's only the hind of the Ain Sof. Until the new heavens of above, they're going to be the front of the Ain Sof. That we have to save something for the new heaven. He's explaining what the current heaven is. The new heaven that God is creating, that's going to have God's front as well, his face, not just his back. But now, at least the, the back of the Ain Sof, it's not a ray, it's the substance of the Ain Sof, but the back. As we'll see, as it says, now, um, now, he, now again, the tzemach said it kicks in again. As it says, Adi Korson Romo. He talks about Mashiach. That Mashiach, I saw. He says, I behold, I see a man coming in the clouds. Wow! Wow! Did you see the image? They were, they were. They saw, Daniel talks about the cloud. I saw a few people sent it to me. There was an, someone captured a picture of clouds, I think in Israel during the time of the, whatever, this last week or two weeks. I'm not exactly sure which point, 
and the image, people say, oh, look, the Rebbe's face in the clouds. So the first time when I looked at it, I totally didn't see it. And then I looked at it another time. Again, someone else sent it to me. I looked at it again, and then I, there it was. So it's a very interesting image. So it says, okay, you know, I'm going to have to say this. But it says in Daniel, it says when Mashiach is coming, he says, I see him coming in the clouds, Kabar Adamas. But then I see that they elevate him higher and higher and higher, and he's lowering higher and higher, and he's placed on and he's placed in front of the ancient of days. That's what that's what uh, uh, he saw in his prophecy. Mashiach being elevated higher, 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 placed in front of the ancient of days. Abdi Kursin Rami, he's elevated up to the throne. But then it says, Yosef, and the ancient of days sits down, was sitting. You do what is known, the Pirish Atik Yoimin, the meaning of the ancient of days, who the ancient of days of days means that with the God as he is above. Atik also means which is ancient, also means removed from days, removed from any form of emanation. God as he is in his complete high ain't so infinite state. And yet he sits down. That's the point. That's beyond the, the, the whole context of evolving, descending light. It's higher than that. Now, but he's asking, now, now the Tzemach said the question says, he says, right, hold it. We're talking about the throne. The throne that we're talking about that, um, it says, the heavens are my throne. We're talking about the Kisei Akavit, the throne of glory. The throne of glory, we know who sits on it. So it, it says that uh, when when um, yeah, Ezekiel Yecheskel saw the the, the the chariot, he said he saw that on top of the chariot and on top of the throne, it's an image of the image of the man. So who is that? So Kabbalah always says that that's referring to the Zeir So Here we're saying that the the, 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 the the throne is where God is sitting. It's talking about the Ein Sof. And now we're saying it's the image of man. Man is... The Zeir Ankin is called man. Higher than that, God is not a man. The image of man is Sephirot. So how do we saying over here that by saying that the, that that uh, the, that Shemayim Kisi that Hashem is saying my the heavens are my throne? It's referring to the Ein Sof. As a result of our yearning for the Ein Sof, God descends Himself. So he's going to explain. Which is only the Zeir Ankin. And here we're talking about much, much higher levels. We're talking about Keter dimensions. Ah, however, in Zeir Anpin is enclosed the Atik The Erech Anpin and Erech Anpin. Mamish, literally. That's why it says, it says when Yechezkel saw the image on top of the throne, he says, I saw a, a likening of a human image. Kimara, a likening of a human. Now we we understand the likening is well, we're not going to say on God that he's human. Like, like what we know is human, God is uh, an abstract human. Like him. So the, the like human is is referring to a lower human. But over here he's twisting, he's flipping it over. The reason why it says it says like human is because the one who's sitting on the throne is much bigger than the human above. The human is the Zeir Ampin, but it's who is 
and the Za'er Ampen is in the image of the higher human, the, the ancient of days, who's the real human, the Erech Ampen, the true infinite one. So when, he, when he's saying it's like, he's not trying to compare it to a, to a human being down here. He's saying that the one that I saw sitting there is in the image, Kim Mara, like the Keter human, which is the, 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 the Erech Ampen. And, and that's insult. And even he is sitting on the throne. Obviously, via the lower human. The higher human is sitting via the lower human. Lower human, I don't mean the human, us. The supernal there. There's an air ramp. Now, I come out of all the money. Come on, begin as air ramp. I am Pashas Mishpatim. Who will make the Shmelech Sham, Nosoi, Achare, Gabbinishba. I am Ashokas, Oidme, Inyan Kisei, Akavid, the Sidder, Achar, Alain, Ulishabeach. Look in the Sidder after the Mimer, after Alain, Ulishabeach, the Ramaska, Beel, the Mashkov, the one of Pericum Bays. Over there, this idea is expounded on. Now, now the Alter Rebbe continues. The Mimer continues. For behold, in my yois, even though, even though when someone is sitting on a, on, on, on a chair or a king on a throne, it's his body that is sit, sitting on the throne. And above. When we say he is sitting on a throne, it's the it's 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 who it's a, the body. The soul can't sit on the throne. It's the body. The body of God. What's the body of God? The spherot are called the body. They're considered the vessels. Like a vessels that's considered like the body. That's the supernal um, emotions, which are called the, 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 the supernal attributes, which are called God's body. They're called they're called body. As the Zohar says, Chesed that Hashem's kindness is considered his right hand. And then the Chulu. Teferes Gufa. Teferes is considered the body, the torso. She'eses Svirois, because the ten, the ten um, attributes, Nikra Rag Gufa are only called the body to, to the orange so The Keli and a vessel, Shalamatzel Baruch of the emanator. And that is only so that through that should be able to be the conduct of the world. So, but here we're talking about the Ein Sof himself. So he's explaining, similar to what we just explained from the Tzemach Tzedek, but But just like in our physical forms, the soul is enclosed in the body and completely unified with it. Just like by us, even though you know, the body is the body, but in the in the body is vested the soul. So too, in the supernal body, in the spheros above, it's true, the Adam that we're talking about is the body, but in it is the Ein Sof. The Ein Sof is enclosed in his Midas. And he and his life forces and he and his garments are one. And this is what the sages say, Nislabish with ten garments, God enclosed himself. So he himself is inside these garments. They're garments, but he's inside those garments. Therefore, when the supernal man above, which are the supernal emotions, which are called the body, when they're drawn down, when they're drawn down through the throne, to descend and to shine into Gan Eden, to increase the light in Gan Eden, that it shouldn't just be a ray, it should be a... Is that what Tosefes? Or this is considered an added light, literally from Hashem himself. 
And this is what we mean when God says, I myself have come to the garden. And this is the meaning that God says, the heavens are my throne. Through you creating for me a heaven, you showing me the heaven of your soul, the yechid of your soul, yearning and burning with b'choma otcha energy to me, and then I, then I, I, I connect myself to you. Peter shamayim u'pchinas esh. And over here he adds Peter shamayim. Oh. So now he's explaining over here. I mean, the natural flow would have been a shamayim kisi. Okay, that's the shamayim inside of us. Our shamayim, our yearning that he discussed earlier, called shamayim. But over here he takes it. Another idea. Pirishamayim, the heavens, Upchenas Eishumayim, Chesed, the Gevur, It's interesting. Even though we were discussing earlier the Tzemach Tzedek, you have to realize that that was the Tzemach Tzedek's insert. In the Tzemach Tzedek's insert, we were discussing a long discussion that Shamayim is primarily Eish. And we, were we weren't paying attention to the water element of Shamayim. We were saying it's all Shamayim is Eish. And we were concentrating on the concept of Shamayim being this transcendental yearning. But over here, he's bringing in the other idea of Shemayim, that the reason Shemayim is called Shemayim, I mentioned it earlier as well, because it's a blend of Eish and Mayim. Right? These are the Chesed and Gevura elements of Atzilus. Because we know kindness is the water, and, and, and severity, Gevura, justice, is, is the fire. That are the two powers of racing upward and returning which really these are two complete opposite energies. Chesed is a flow downward, outward. Gavur is a flow inward. And they should and they should be constantly clashing with each other, fire and water, like fire and water clash. But we say makes peace through Teferis. Teferis is the middle that blends and harmonizes them together, creates a powerful balance. And, and, and what is that? Who So the teferes, see, if without the teferes element, without shamayim, shamayim is, is teferes, is the unification of both. So another reason why shamayim is the place for the kisei. Because when it's just pure, pure ash, rising energy, it creates a desire within God himself also to, 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 to rise, to dissolve into the Un, undefined and inspecific dimension of his being where he is above and beyond everything. Um, the water element of God is God lowering himself down, but that's usually his, exter his external and most and only array. He's flowing outward. It's my down. You want to, you want to, you, the point of here is to catch the transcendence and bring that down. So for that, you need the mix of the fire and the water, which is the teferis, which creates the harmony to be able to take the, the God as he is above and beyond creation, not the kindness that flows naturally from him, which is his emanation. That's the water itself. The fire causes withdrawal. The water causes involvement, but only external involvement. Teferis causes internal involvement, getting the, getting the withdrawn God down here. To shine down here below. To bring about the Ganeidin Nivra, which is to come down into creation. And he explains that 
Shemayim and Eishomayim Yachd. It's the unification of fire and water. To unify the, 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 these elements in our soul. Because it's possible that we should have Ratsa and Shuv and they don't, they're, they're, they're experienced as isolated features and powers. They don't communicate with each other and that's not good. There has to be a constant unification between our fire and our water. Between our, our Ma and our Bana energies. They have to be well synthesized. Because if the Ratsai is left alone, then it's dangerous because it can cause us to completely abandon life. If the water is left alone, we can become very comfortable in life, comfortable in our settled state. We're not motivated. We're not driven. We don't want to, right? Because we're, we're kind of settled very much in vessels. And it can create ego and, 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 and what's it called again? Uh, density. So, but, but the right blend is the two of them should be mixed together. So, when the shuv and the ratzai are blended together, then the shuv as well is in a very high level, the shuv return. Because shuv comes from the ban, like we spoke earlier, from the 52 element. When it gets separated from the ratzai, the ma of the 45 element, it can become thickened and 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 in and, and a state of yashus in a state of of, of separation of somethingness when it is unified with the ban that even in the ma there's ban okay who is the one who causes to create this kise this throne and that Hashem's emotions should come down the mata below to sit on the throne. That is the heavens. So now here's the idea. In addition to the Pirish that we said earlier, that it's our Shamayim, it's our yearning, transcendent yearning that pulls him down. Why should he come here? He comes because we want him, because we yearn for him. Especially by Shema, we create that powerful yearning, which is first introduced, first we get there through mercy. We learn that's our Shemayim, and that's the thing. But he's now going to explain another, another umfir that it's referring to God's Shemayim as well. What causes Hashem to go on the throne, it's the Shemayim of him that causes him to go down. Why? The nature of the supernal attributes, which are the supernal body, which we need to descend, the nature of those attributes is not to descend. The nature of them is, as we said earlier, that's, that's in the Zeir Ampin is where Ma is the energy of Ma, and Ma wants to go away. Malchus is grounded. But the Zeir Ampin, like the wife is always there with her children, she's taking care of things. The husband is never nowhere to be found. Here he's reading a book, here he got lost on his phone, here he's. Uh, Wandering over there, he's running. They're always floating away. A woman, she's in her house. She's there. She's present. She's on top of everything. The man, he's all over the place. That's masculine energy. It's floating. It's fleeting. So the Zeir Anpin on its own would be constantly escaping. And he would not be sitting down on the throne. He doesn't like to sit. Who sits in that? Shemayim. Shemayim are the 
are the are the infinite lights of God that are higher than than the emotions. They force the emotions into a descending into a descending. They propel the, the emotions. The emotions are much lower than that. They push the emotions to engage more into the concrete and into the world. As he said, let's read it inside these lines. Um, And who causes that the throne should happen? And that the Midas should come down to sit on the throne. That's the Shemayim. God's will. It's God's transcendent will that's also beyond reason. That is encompassing over the vessels. Which the will itself cannot enclose in, be enclosed in vessels. And in Misham Dafka, it's Dafka from that level, this is what causes and 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 inspires this descent of the of the Ain Sof. I'm sorry, of of the body which 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 includes the the, the Ain Sof in it. But this is the the, the the from a transcendent place is where it compels the more the more the Kalim to, to descend. Why is that? He's going to explain in this parenthesis. My eyes are closing over here. So we're going to learn this last, last word that I just said, that I was just teaching right now. It's going to get complicated. Not complicated, but a little too much for a thorough explanation right now. So I am going to leave this parenthesis for next week. And we're going to learn about what does it mean the earth is my footstool, and how it is today, and how it is, this is going to be in the days of Mashiach. After this, there's an explanation of this mime. This is the mimer itself, and then there's a beer on it, and we keep ourselves busy for a few weeks over here. There's Rat Hashem. I get credit because it's, it's only an hour and 53 minutes, but I did an hour earlier, so it's really, you can count it three hours, with a little break. May Mashiach be here already by the time we open up this book next week.